pray for this time. Um, as, we, uh, as we end a crazy year and as we go into a new year, we're, Lord, we just want to yield to um, new wine. We ask you for uh, new things as my spirit is stirred that you have plans. And uh, we just say yes. <laughs> we, we receive, we are so ready for new plans, Lord. Do, do uh, new things, different things, fresh things. And so we ask you, um, do the miracle, Lord, of making us yielded to you. And sensitive and open to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for the blessing on this time, Lord. Um, we're gonna. Ha I have asked for youth to stay in here, um, just briefly before they break out, if they do break out, um, because I'm beginning a new series here. Um, although it's not, we're not departing from, before the holidays came, we were in a series on discipleship, and I'm not departing from that. I'm convinced there is nothing else besides discipleship. Is there, is there anything besides um, intimately following Jesus into all the crazy places he wants to take us, into all the blessing and surprises he has? That's, that's discipleship. And so we're still doing that, but this is also um, a major shift, and... Um, and I want to tell you that I'm entering this series with fear and trembling. I'm about to go into territory that is, um, that's generally speaking, is the last place uh, you ever want to teach or, or preach about because it's, it's ground that, uh, well, let's find out in a minute why um, that I enter this with fear and trembling. Um, I want you to know uh, something about how I do this with the Lord. You see, I always view what we do as we're on a journey with the Lord. And I know you've heard me say things similar to this before. I, I never want to come up here and just teach something because it's a good thing to teach or it's true. There's a, there is a place for study to show thyself approved. Um, there is a place for academics and Sunday classes and, and Bible studies that we do. Very important, very, very important. But when I come up here, my prayer is always that, Lord, I have to know um, where we're at on the road. I, I know that we are, we're here and the Lord is taking us somewhere else at every point in time. And I take it as a really high responsibility to be asking the Lord, where are we and where are we going? Because um, I think that, um, we we are disciples, so we're following him on a journey, on a road, as a body, and corporately with the church, with his church throughout the world, right? Now, here's what I want you to know. It, sometimes the Lord gives me specific words, like I actually know the words within me that that the Lord's given me. Most of the time, He speaks to me with hunger. Can anybody relate? Like I ask the question, Lord, what do you want me to say? Where are we going? What do you want me to teach about? And I wait mostly like go ahead and speak if you want to, uh, you know, give me words. But I wait for a hunger to begin to stir so deeply where I just I have to dig and begin begin to tear things apart and put them back together and ask the Lord, okay, how do you want to say this? What do you want to do? It's I find that he speaks to me most in hunger. Now, I'm sharing that first this morning because the entire purpose of the message this morning, I'm just going to tell you, is to invite you into hunger. Um, I believe um, where we're at, if we're on a journey, okay, 2020 was part of it. Who had a wonderfully awesome time in 2020? <laughs> <laughs> Good, we've got some, I had moments of awesomeness, let me tell you. I had a lot of other things that, that I just cannot stand, okay? Does anybody in here enjoy fasting? <laughs> See, I love it. I, I like you. Um, I'll just be really transparent and honest. For the most part, I don't. I, what? I, I enjoy the mountaintop. I enjoy the outpouring of anointing and doing, doing amazing things with the Lord and going here and there in adventure. Fasting is not my favorite thing. Believe me, I know the value. Um, I, I have learned to anticipate the goodness, the excitement that is the fruit of fasting. Cool. 
but I'll always take, you know, a slab of prime rib over fasting, okay? That's just me. <laughs> I believe, and I've been saying this, y'all know this, those of you that, are, that are, have been with us or have been watching um, remotely, um, I believe 2020 was a year of fasting, a fasting that the Lord implemented on his church. Why? Because we need that. Um, it was also a year of clarity of vision, 2020 vision, okay? Things were exposed, both good and bad, let me tell you. I saw some of the most beautiful um, things from you all. I saw God be beautiful in you guys in, in ways that I, I would have never seen, and I got to witness this beauty of the Holy Spirit in you because of the trials of 2020. It was, it was rich ground for the, for the move of the Spirit in beautiful ways. I also saw the exposure of bad things, ugly things, the things that are already there, right? But what we need a light to shine on it to find out what are our hearts really made of. Is it just me or did any of you find that 2020 exposed some things about you <laughs> and where you were with the Lord that you would not have been aware of if not going through that year the way this year was? Yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, the depths of ugly. Whew, God help me. And he does, doesn't he? He's good. He, he helps. Um, I think that was 2020. And I would say 2020 was a call into the deep. You see, part of what happened was religion was busted. <laughs> I mean, something for, I think for every single one of us, something about the way you practiced religion before, or habit, religious habit, of ways of relating to Jesus or, his, or participating in his kingdom were, were busted like it or not. And you know what happens is whatever is genuine of the relationship is all you got. Like you find out you go from, I'll just give one example, you go from being to in-person service to remote service and you find out really quick how much of your relationship with the Lord is religious habit and how much of it is actually relationship. Because all of a sudden, all you really got is the actual shallowness or depth in particular areas of what you have with the Lord. And are you, did you all experience that? I found places where, um, boy, I would have thought that I had such a great intimacy with the Lord and he exposed in me that um, where, where I, find, I found that the painful part of fasting, um, there was places missing in my relationship with him. And I believe that's 2020. It was, it's a call to go deeper. And we're going to look at that in the Word of God. And I promise I am going to tell you what the subject of the new series is. You're just going to have to wait on the edge of your seat here. But I think um, 2021, I believe, is a new thing. I, I do believe that he's about to start another season. Okay, now he doesn't, he doesn't follow like January 1st. He has his calendar. I'm just telling you, I sense a move of the Spirit. Um, news about to begin, and we're about to go into territory that um, even inspires a lot of reverence where I'm like, we're going to teach what? <laughs> and I'll just tell you now, we're going to teach on anointing. So in other words, we're, we're going into territory that I'll just be honest, I don't know everything about. I have some experience. I know some things. I am absolutely, as we head into this together, reliant on the Lord to, to teach me <laughs> as we come together and learn of him and, and begin to participate in this. And why is anointing a fearful thing? It shouldn't be. Let me tell you, it should be basic. It should be 101. And I, I don't mean that as an insult. I join you in it. I think it's, I think it's kind of... Um, fearful for several reasons. One is, um, I'm fairly certain, um, a good portion in this room, people listening, people watching, have been spiritually abused by false anointing, by the guise of anointing, and, it, and there's nothing more disgusting on the planet than spiritual abuse. And so that makes it fearful. What else? Anointing is all about the Holy Spirit, right? It's that we do not have control of anointing. 
it, what it is, how it operates. It's the part that we, that we enter. Anointing is yielding to an effective presence of God. It's anointing is, is an utter and complete yielding. And so that, that brings a certain kind of fear in and of itself, doesn't it? And by fear, I just mean, you know, that's a strong word. You could have intense fear or you could just be kind of like, ooh, this makes me nervous. I mean, I'm pretty sure that as soon as I said we're going to move into teaching about anointing, at least some of you already had a skepticism, <laughs> right? Already had a little bit of a, ner a nervousness, like what are you going to do with it? What are we going to do exactly? And yet I'm also convinced that it's, it is of critical importance, and I'm going to prove it. I don't know how long, if we're going to do this for three weeks or we're going to be doing this till July, I'm really not sure. I just know that he, this is a year of anointing. He's going to increase his anointing on his body that's individual, that's this body of Christ, and I'm convinced that he's also going to be doing it. You know, we're part of his epic story in the universe across, across the earth. And I'm just, I just believe that this is a year of anointing. So in other words, it's not something that we're not supposed to have any understanding of. We're not supposed to avoid it because it's something that's out of our control. And, and boy, avoid that subject. Let's, let's just keep a unity of the spirit around here. That might, be, that might get a little crazy. Um, believe me, I had that conversation with the Lord as um, it's kind of been plaguing me for a uh, little more than a week. And I've been talking, do we, are we really going to do this? Are we really going to do this? And it just never let up. The hunger, I just kept digging and the hunger won't stop. Um, are you hungry with me? Do you want anointing? It's probably going to take some hunger to walk where we're going. Um, because I, I do, I just, I think that... Um, it is time for us to quit being afraid of and devaluing his anointing on the body of Christ, on his body. Amen. Now, this anointing is new wine, right? So the word new in and of itself means that you're about to walk in the land that you've not known before. Now, listen to me. I didn't just say that you've not known anointing. Or that you've never been, you've never experienced or been anointed for things. You have. But see, the thing about new wine is that this is not that anointing. <laughs> Every anointing afresh is for a new thing of the Lord. Amen? So necessarily that means you're going somewhere you've not been before. And thank you, here I am. I'm the one up here, um, <laughs> that's going to rely on him completely to lead us through an entire season, an entire series on, on exploring what is that anointing. Lord, we want your anointing. We want understanding like we've never had before so we can operate in, in pleasing and effective ways. And we want, we want the joy of that participation like we've never had before. Now, let me tell you this, okay, um, it's going to be a, a long introduction for this new series. You just have to permit me this. Um, one of the things that I just want to dispel right out of the gate here is that partly anointing has the anointing of God, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the kingdom, has gotten a bad rap because it's become a superstar thing. The idea is, is that the, the pastor up there, and the larger your church, the bigger, the, the, you know, the greater measure of anointing there, right? And it's the one up there, that, that's the anointing, right? And I want to tell you something, and we're, we're going to find this through this series. I think you're going to see it this morning. God never intended his anointing for superstars. In part, we do get that from the Old Testament. In fact, let me, you know... Um, let me just go there, and then I'm going to tell you a quick story. Anointing between the Old Testament and the New Testament does sort of make a shift. In fact, it's interesting. If you go look at the New Testament, the word anointing or anoint is rarely there. 
<laughs> and there's a reason for that. So l- let's look at this. Let's talk about the Old Testament. What do we see? Anointing was what? First for prophets, and then prophets anointed kings. And we find that anointing, first of all, it was a physical thing because the Old Testament is a physical picture of your spiritual reality. Even right now today, God does not change. When you read the Old Testament stories, you're reading of, of pictures of a reality. You need it. That it's a parable to you. It actually happened. Don't, don't mishear me. It's historical. It happened. It's recorded. But it's also a parable to you for a glimpse into the spiritual reality. And what it was, they understood that when kings, or anyone really, but let's take kings, when kings were anointed, they expected, they they had no doubt in their mind whatsoever that an abiding, a difference in the abiding presence of of the Lord for a specific purpose was just accomplished. In fact, they saw it as a final, a final thing. Now listen, what do I mean by that? If a prophet was anointing a king, and let's say there were too many people in the room, and, <laughs> and that prophet anointed the wrong one, they would literally go, well, whoops, <laughs> that's the king now. It was something that couldn't be undone. It was It was final. And, and the, you think of like the father's blessing. There are recordings where a father's giving a blessing and, um, you know, blesses the wrong son. And it's like, well, that's final. Darn it. Right? <laughs> he got your blessing and there's nothing we can do about it. They saw anointing that way. And I, I don't think that that changed with the New Testament. But now listen to me. What we find is the New Testament begins to use wording like spirit-filled life versus living by the flesh. Um, we see concepts of walking in the word which you've received. Some of you already already pinned in your head where that scripture is. Walk in the word you've received or, or um, walk in the gift that's been given you. And, um, and we read words like that. Now, it's not completely devoid of the word anointing. And we're going to look at, a new, uh, in particular, a New Testament passage this morning that has anointing in it. Um, but, you know, to start this series, I want to... Um, I don't want you to feel like you're odd if you go into this with a little trembling, this subject. So I'm going to be very transparent, and I'm going to tell you a story from my life. Um, When I found out that I was chosen by the Lord and men to step into this role, um, First of all, you have to know that I, I fought it all the way. I tried as hard as I could to throw the process. It just didn't work. And, um, and I was still the selection, and it was like, wow, you got to be kidding me. So I was having a conversation with the Lord that went something like this. I began to, you know, I was being very real with him. I was going, okay, but if we're going to do this, it's going to be like this. Now, I'm serious. I was doing this. I was saying, I will do it if there were a couple of stipulations that I had with him. I said, number one, you're going to give me people to submit to. Yeah, obviously, we submit to God. I wouldn't want to eat breakfast if it wasn't in submission to God. But I was going to have people that I was going to be able to put myself under and submit to, and they they were going to need to be appointed by him. I wasn't going to go around and start selecting people. And he provided that. That was the first one. The second one was, I said, Lord, I am going to be anointed for this. There is no way I'm going into this in my own strength. Like, I refuse. (laughs) I've done that misery in ministry before. (laughs) And, um, oh my gosh, you're just better off not to be in any sort of ministry at all um, than to go there. And so I said, Lord, I need to be anointed. This is going to sound like I'm being hard on people or derogatory. I'm not. I think they made exactly the right decision. But I went around to a few few people around here and I said, I want to be anointed for this. And I was talking about the sacrament, the physical part, okay? Um, And we'll differentiate in a minute the, the deep spiritual reality versus 
or how that marries with sacrament. But I wanted to be physically anointed to agree with the deeper spiritual reality of it. And I was kind of getting the answer like, oh, well, yeah, we're, we're not really doing, we don't really know or we're not doing that. And, and that was the right answer. I never fake anointing. That's, I mean, people, um, the worst things <laughs> for the kingdom of God have happened whenever, whenever we fake something that is not the calling on our life. I was getting the correct answer from people. Um, and so this is what happened. When I was hired, it was, um, it was Resurrection Week. And my wife and I had a trip. This was long planned before. I was throwing the process. I wasn't going to be the pastor. And so we had a trip planned um, that week to go to the Bahamas. Um, we had landed in the Bahamas. And um, I don't think we were on the ground there on the island for an hour, maybe two and uh, before we went to where we were staying, we had to go to the grocery store. We're going to take our groceries with us, so we're all ready. And um, this is the beauty of my wife. She's, she's here in this grocery store, and she sees this, this woman. I'm not even with her at the moment. We're kind of doing our own thing, grabbing food. And she, she meets this woman who's wearing a T-shirt. Do you remember what the T-shirt said? <laughs> yeah, I can't either. But it said something um, that was full faith about the kingdom of God, love for Jesus and, and, and killing it for his kingdom, something, something like that. And so she meets this woman, and they're talking. And, um, and before you know it, Sandra's coming over going, I met this most amazing woman, and she loves Jesus, and she's with this church. We've been um, invited to go to the Resurrection Sunday service, and um, not only that, they're going to come over, to um, where we're staying. They're going to grab us in our bags. We're going to go to the resurrection service, and then they're going to take us right to the airport. So we don't need a ride to the airport anymore. And, and that's exactly what happened. Um, we went, um, that's just the beauty of my wife. She can't help herself. No matter where you're at, she can't. She's like, well, there's an amazing woman. Look at that T-shirt. <laughs> I'm going to meet her. And uh, so here we are in this service, and um, it was an amazing service. It was a, it was a um, black Assemblies of God church. They, when they worshiped, the walls shook. <laughs> it was like, yes. And, um, and, and uh, the preacher, I mean, he was, he was so full of fire, I think he screamed three quarters of the message was, was um, screaming like I'm not even capable of. At the end of the service, um, he says, we're going to have an anointing today. <clears throat> and so he, uh, it's so good. It's so good. When you ask the Lord for good things, he does not withhold it. And uh, he says, we're going to have an anointing today. And he says, if you're not from Grand Bahama Island and you want to be anointed today, come up front now. And we weren't alone in this. Others, others got up. I'd say, I don't know, there's about 10 of us up there, maybe. And um, this, this pastor is, is anointing and, and blessing. And let me tell you, they don't do, I've got this little thing. Let me show you. I've got my oil here. You see that? <laughs> he had like a, uh, an oil bearer that had like a gallon bowl. I'm, uh, you can't make this up. And, and he, he would... He would follow, I think she, she would follow the pastor around and bear the oil for him. And, and he would dip in that stuff, and, and he's, he's anointing. And he's anointing down the line, and he gets, he gets to where he's right in front of me, and he, he pauses, and he just looks at me a minute, and he bows his head. And then the next thing you know, he just begins to prophesy over. <clears throat> wonderful words from the courts of heaven. And these things begin to come out. He, he starts saying, um, um, you have been called to a new thing. This role is appointed of the kingdom. And, and the miracles of God, and he says, where are you from? And I say, Colorado. And he's going, and the miracles of God, his plans for the future are following you back to Colorado. And he just begins to slather me. This wasn't like a little... Mm, mm, mm. I mean, he begins to slather me to, at some point, I feel it run, 
and drip off of my nose onto the carpet. Now, I can remember like in slow motion watching the drip go all the way down and stay in the carpet. And I remember what I thought. I thought, I want that drop back. I'm serious. That's what leapt in my heart. I thought, I want every drop. I want that back. And just as soon as I had that thought, <laughs> he came back with like second round until like, like I mean, I'm like, he could have just poured the bowl out at this point. And he moves on to my wife and he starts doing the same thing, just prophesying destiny and, and, uh, and release of the kingdom over her and she's getting slathered. And then he moves to Jonah and um, he's, it's a little bit, gentler this time but but it it wasn't a little he Jonah was getting anointed and prayed over and then he moved on down the line I got my anointing I said Lord I'm not doing this without anointing and I gotta tell you he he had to use an airplane to Bahama (laughs) Island and man did I get an anointing I hang on to that I'll never let that go in my most discouraging moments and believe me, there, there are some in case you didn't know. There are discouraging, discouraging moments in this role. And um, I think back to that often. I, I hold it like a treasure that the Lord said, okay, I have anointing for you. And I want you to know is, is um, I know that there's probably a whole range of of um, your understanding of anointing. If any of you sit here this morning and feel like you've had experience of anointing in your life. Um, But I want to tell you that it is his goal of discipleship for every child of God that you're anointed and you know it. In his timing, in his way in his good plan. He means for you to be slathered with anointing and know it. You see, it's not something where you you wonder, (laughs) am I anointed? The anointing of God is something that you know to the depths of your soul. It's for me. It's the gift of God. And it is an abiding presence. It is a change in the abiding presence of God upon you for the release of, of the kingdom in your life, for the good purposes called over you. It is the effective presence of God to the right measure for you, the right anointing in the right season. And in this series, we're going to look at what the word of God has to say about anointing. Is that good? You ready? <laughs> okay. All right. Now, now, just one more thing, and then I'll just say this quickly. This is um, what I just described as sacrament, right? What is sacrament? Our physical participation in, in deeper realities. And sacrament is so important. You know, when we have the Lord's Supper, we have bread and wine. Can you have the Lord's Supper without having bread and wine on hand? Of course you can. It's just deep, intimate communion with the Father, the remembrance of of what the Lord has done to make us free children of God with with the destiny of the kingdom upon us. That's the Lord's Supper. You can do it without, but um, did he intend for us to actually eat bread and wine sometimes? Yeah, and that's the same thing with this. There is anointing with oil. There is blessing on our physical participation. Let me tell you, do you need oil for this deeper reality, for the anointing of God to come onto your life? Absolutely not. I think most of the time we walk around, you, let me tell you this, you are more anointed this morning than you know you are. Thank God for that, because I, I'm, I never want to like get to the end of, well, I've reached the fullness of my anointing. That's not going to happen. He is, he is eternity pouring out on you because he loves you like that. So, so sacrament versus the deeper thing. Okay, what do we decide? What are you out of here? Okay, Father, bless the youth in the name of Jesus. And I ask, Father, that this would be a year for our youth that, that by the end of 2021, they are going to be so slathered in anointing and they're going to know it. They are never going to doubt again for the rest of their lives that they are your anointed. <laughs> in your name, Jesus.
God bless you guys. Go to 1 John chapter 2. This, um, what I'm about to read here is um, perhaps the most significant place in the New Testament where anointing is talked about. Like I told you, the word itself is actually very rare in the New Testament, but it's not absent, thank goodness, or we'd have theologians saying, oh, the anointing is Old Testament. (laughs) That'd be terrible, wouldn't it? So it's talked about here, and I think it, it actually surprised me the way, the way the Lord was kind of downloading this to me as I was preparing, in what context it appears, and that it's, it is so for us today. So um, here we go. Watch how anointing is talked about. I'm in 1 John chapter 2. I'm starting in verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now listen, I have an amazing wife. I just need to talk about her again for a minute. Um, I think that's a huge struggle for a lot of us, okay? Love for the world. And I just got to tell you, she, she always amazes me. She's like my hero. I want to be like her someday. Ever since the Lord busted in and changed her life, you too? I know, she's amazing like that. Um, ever since the Lord came into her life, she, the, the world holds nothing for her. I've never known someone that's more like that. I mean, it literally holds nothing for her. It has no temptation, no challenge, no contest in her life. Now, I want to talk about, um, I believe the scripture is calling us to be like that. I want to tell you one of the blessings of, of the trials of virus in 2020 and, and whatever other challenges completely unrelated to the virus in your life this year um, Is anybody completely fed up with the world after this year? Here's the blessing. In other words, you've never been so positioned to go deeper in love with the Father. That's what this is telling us. This is saying, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. In other words, if you're just completely fed up and there's no contest anymore, you are more positioned to fall into deeper places in the Father's heart, more participation in where we're going to go, which is in this passage. I'm not making this up. Deeper, falling deeper into the anointing of God than you've ever been positioned before, if that's true about you. Now, did you catch the three things? It says, um, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Do you know what those three things are? Where else they appear? They are the three, he is making reference on purpose to the three temptations of Jesus in the wilderness. Now, listen to me, church. Um, It is not a coincidence that the enemy of God attacked Jesus in exactly those three areas immediately after his baptism. In fact, it's what the word of God tells us is that the spirit of God led him, or sometimes it's translated, it really means like tore or forced him into the desert to experience that at exactly that moment. These three Areas, and I'm, I'm convinced those are the only three areas where you're tempted or torn away to be contrary from, to God. Now listen to me, I'm also going to tell you that these three areas are the theft of anointing. And that is exactly what the enemy was up to. It was, it was a last effort. It was, it was a desperate attempt Jesus had just received his anointing, and I'm not sure if we're going to get there this morning or not. We'll get there, though, um, in the right message. But he, he received his baptism, which we'll see very clearly. It was anointing. It was anointing of the Holy Spirit. He immediately goes to the desert, and it's not a mistake or a coincidence that the enemy would attack immediately to steal the anointing, the purpose on his life. And I'm convinced it's the same thing for us. You see, we only have one standard. We only have one model. 
Jesus. And, and um, Jesus, what I need to tell you this morning is that um, if you're like, whoo, I don't know what to do with anointing. I don't know. I'm not ready for that. It's a fearful thing. I've been abused by, by fake anointing and things that went on in churches in the past. You have these feelings? It's okay. Just acknowledge that you have these feelings, but also recognize that Jesus modeled an anointed life. And say, I mean, it's not okay to stay there. It's okay to be where you are. <laughs> Listen, it's okay to, 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 re- to be in a place where you have to reach out and say, Father, I, I need understanding. Um, I don't want to be afraid of that. I don't want to be wounded by what people have done to me before. It's okay to be in that place. It's not okay to resolve yourself that I'm a disciple of Jesus and I don't need anointing. <laughs> Jesus modeled how we reveal the heart of the Father in this world. He modeled it. And he did it by living the perfect anointed life. Do you know that it's impossible to reveal the heart of the Father, to display the kingdom of God without anointing? You cannot do it in and, in and of yourself. You cannot, you cannot do it just because you love Jesus enough. It's just not biblical. And before this series is over, I'm going to completely prove it to you. It is impossible to represent the Father's heart and his kingdom without anointing. So um, put your seatbelt on because this is a year of anointing. Okay, I'm going to keep reading. Um, Verse 17, and the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Little children, now now listen, I should have told you before I started reading this, um, just before where I started reading in verse 15, this is in the middle of an entire discussion about victory over the spirit of Antichrist. Victory over the spirit that lies about God and steals the life of the kingdom from men and women. Okay, so that's the context here. Verse 18, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest. In other words, exposed. You got it? that none of them were of us. Did you notice, um, let's keep this simple and say, you know, this was written a long time ago. (laughs) We'll just keep it, we won't even try to nail it down, okay? It was written a long time ago. And the author, inspired in the Holy Spirit, is already writing to contemporary readers, to readers of that time saying, you're in the last hour. So if you're in some kind of debate in your mind as to like whether we're in the last hour, we're in the end times, just focus on anointing and let that go. You are in the last hour, okay? If they were, you are, big time, okay? I don't know how long it's going to go. I really don't care. I just want, I just want more anointing, <laughs> more of you, Holy Spirit. That's, I don't care the timing. I'm responsible for too much already. Does anybody else feel that way? I'm okay with him being responsible for that part. Verse 22. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Now listen. Starting in verse 24... I'm going to read just next, is really why we're reading here. Okay, watch this. All of this, let me say this, all of this was setting the groundwork to teach us about anointing and and its absolute necessity, how critical that we are the anointed ones. Okay, so verse 24, therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. Notice the word abide. Let that abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, 
you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. Let me tell you, that's a, bad, that's a terrible translation. The fact that they translated eternal life makes us think that, that this scripture is talking about what we get after we die. Well, I'm going to go to heaven. And it doesn't actually translate that way. It, it actually says, and this is the promise that he has promised us, eternity, which is God. They didn't separate eternity from God. You get God. You started eternal life. You, started, you were joined into eternity the moment you accepted Jesus Christ as yours. I'm his, he is mine. Eternity began. Now, okay, there's, there's like a shift coming. <laughs> Sometimes it's painful, you know, that, that death, what we call death process. But you're never going to die. Eternity, your eternal life began. Okay, and it's this is all about abide, abide, abide. Does anybody else, um, I'm curious how many of you, as I've been reading already, you're already thinking about John chapter 15. I got a whole bunch of nods. Now watch this, it gets more uncanny. Um, verse 26, these things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing, which you have received from him, abides in you. Do you notice that the protection, <laughs> the thing that holds you fast from, from, um, from being deceived by the spirit of Antichrist is anointing. Isn't that something? But the anointing which you, past tense, have received from him abides in you. Go ahead and say this with me. His anointing, which I have received, abides in me. Amen. You just told the truth. You, so you are, listen, you are already anointed. But as we move through in this series, even in Jesus' modeling, I thought we'd get to it today, but we're not even close. But even in Jesus' modeling of this, Jesus modeled anointing and the increase of anointing specific for different times to different measures. It is actually in his life. And if he needed it, how much more us? I mean, we're talking about God himself comes down to be Emmanuel, flesh, to reveal the heart of the Father, to manifest the kingdom, and he did it by anointing. <laughs> and we've gotten to, I just, I, I, um, I'm just, I'm really concerned at the church right now that we actually think we're going to do this thing. We're going to witness of the Father. We're going to display the goodness of his heart and manifest his kingdom without anointing. And Jesus wouldn't, wouldn't even have modeled something else. This goes on and says, and you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. Now listen, that really is like instruct. Let me tell you what this is about. Because um, it... It can be um, terribly misinterpreted where we think what that's saying is, well, well, I don't need to be taught by, by teachers of the word of God or anything. And it doesn't mean that. It really should say, um, you do not need that anyone instruct you. And it's talking about in your moment-to-moment -moment daily life. In other words, anointing, which we're about to find out is a deep abiding of truth. But, but anointing is, is, um, is a um, is an abiding presence of the Holy Spirit of God that makes it so that you're instructed moment by moment, that your heart, your mind comes into alignment with Jesus Christ so that you can be righteous and display the Father. That's anointing. That's why it says you don't, you don't need to be instructed. In other words, you don't need somebody saying, oh, don't do that. That's the wrong thing to do. This is the right thing to do. We don't need that. The abiding presence of the Holy Spirit is our, is our anointing so that we display and execute the Father's heart and his kingdom. You do not need anyone to teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. <laughs> you will abide in him. Listen to that language. It's, it's, it's a present active that, you, that should have given you great comfort. 
Are you following? It didn't say you will work hard enough to abide in him. Or you might get lucky enough that this is abiding, that it remains. It says, it says and just as it has taught you, you will, it's a promise, abide in him. It leaves the responsibility in his court. I always kind of tremble when I say something like that because you obviously have a very critical participation. <laughs> but his faithfulness of his words, his promise, he's able to say, um, you will abide. This anointing of the Holy Spirit abides each and every time you're anointed for new season, for new effectiveness, for new release of your identity and your purpose for the kingdom of God. And we'll see that at least in future messages. Every time that happens, it's abiding. It's final like the kings of the Old Testament. It can't be taken back which is exactly why in the way that he loves you, you know, he loves you so well. And in the way that he loves you, he does not grant anointing to your detriment. He will give you the measure of anointing, specific anointing for a particular season that is blessing to you because he loves you like that. Because it'll never be taken back. Now we can, look, we'll look at this before this series is over, but we can certainly walk in ways, make decisions, or go through hardships that makes it where we may not exactly be walking in that anointing anymore. Anybody experience seasons like that? But the anointing is there. Take it to the bank. <laughs> child of God, whatever anointing you've received in the past, it's final. Irrevocable. Say that louder. What was the first part? The gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. So when you sense anointing upon, it's probably good and right to be a little nervous. So go ahead and let yourself know, um, even as we begin this series this morning, that if, if you're feeling feelings of, whoa, whoa, we're going into territories, I'm not sure about this, um, God bless you. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's probably appropriate because you're, look, you're not going to control the Holy Spirit. Um, in fact, you're, you're not even going to like, like hinder or hold him back. I mean, you just, he, the Spirit is going to have his way. And his way is always better. Who in here knows that? Amen. Go ahead and blow it apart. You need a year like 2020 to bust my religions <laughs> that I carry so stupidly. And you just, all you just really want is intimacy with me so you can say more anointing on Paul and more anointing on Paul. That, that's his desire. And, and our, our religions and our structures and our fears and our wounds and these three areas, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, hinder him from being able to say, I'm going to make you a manifester of the kingdom like, like the world's never seen before. I have anointing for you. It's not for superstars, it's for you. The anointing of God. I should finish this passage, verse 28. And now little children abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, who do we need to know who is righteous? He is. So go ahead and quit beating yourself up. He's got you covered. <laughs> if we know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Did you know that you're not capable of practicing righteousness? But the anointing of God makes it possible. The anointing of God, the abiding presence, the effective presence of God within you makes it um, possible to be a practicer of righteousness. 
Thank God. Because if you're anything like me, you're talking severe mess, no hope. And I know that that's true for all of us, but I think there's like a scale to this. If you knew half the stuff about my life, you wouldn't allow me to stand up here. (laughs) Thank God for the anointing that makes it possible for me to do something good and eternal. You know, in John 15, so you already had John 15 on your mind, right? The abide chapter. You know what it says there? It says, um, if you abide in me, and what? Who's got it? And, mm-hmm. yeah, and I abide in you and my words abide in you, then you will ask whatever you want and you'll receive it. Now, now watch this. It is, um, it's not coincidence that we are reading here in 1 John and we're seeing this deep connection between abiding and anointing. And you think of John 15 where we have, what do you think of with anointing? It's, it's the outworking, it's the ability. It's the abiding presence of God that makes us capable of representing the Father, of manifesting the kingdom, something that's alien to this world. It makes us capable. And it's, it's the abiding chapter that says, ask whatever you want and you'll get it. How many of you have that experience all the time? You always, your prayers are always effective right now. Um, yeah, me neither. Um, but what we get from the word of God is that, is that it is this abiding presence. It is, it's so connected to, brings the anointing that makes us effective for the kingdom of God. Now listen to me. I never, I've just made it a policy over my own life. You can choose. I never make my limitations for representing the Father well or releasing the goodness of that heart, that kingdom, my limitations will never be his. So when I read John 15 or 1 John uh, chapter 2, um, I believe what I'm reading. <laughs> and it, it causes me to fall into a place where I say, Lord, I believe you and I want that. I believe that it is his will that we are supposed to be a people that are so anointed, so abiding, that we get whatever we ask for. I believe him when he says it. You believe him too. Two of us in here. I'm just kidding. I saw all kinds of nods. I saw all kinds of nods. We are supposed to be effective. We are supposed to say um, this hindering thing over your life stops now in the name of Jesus and it's supposed to happen. We're supposed to manifest the Father's heart and um, we are never going to do it until we quit fearing anointing and until we gain some understanding of what anointing is in the kingdom of God. The scriptures are loaded with it cover to cover. It's essential. It's not something for the Pentecostal church down the road. (laughs) Anointing is, and it's for you. He's for you, and he wants you to have it, and he wants you to know it. He doesn't want us to walk around wondering how anointed we are. I got just enough time. Um, This pops in my head, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to tell you one secret. Do you know that most of the time, now bear with me, don't throw anything at me. Most of the time, you need other people to tell you what measure of anointing you walk in. It's true. Do you know why it's true? Anointing is, um, this is going to sound funny, but just, it's not for you. Now, don't get me wrong. It's totally for you. Your, Your joy and participation in that anointing, that is absolutely a gift for you and how much he loves you. But now listen, anointing is never for your benefit. So, in other words, half the time, you probably have no idea what anointing is squirting out of you when you love the Lord. You, got, you need other people to tell you. I get blown. I'm so thankful when you all come and encourage me. I'm a, I'm, uh, I'm a very wounded person. I'm still healing in the Lord. And so when you all come and encourage me, um, I just soak that up. Thank you for doing that when you do that. And let me tell you something. When you encourage each other, You are letting each other know about the anointing of the Lord upon you because they probably don't know it most of the time. 
I mean, yeah, I've been participant in things where you say, be healed, and, and everybody in the room's like, wow, the Lord just did that. Look at that anointing. And yes, that's anointing. Most of the time, it's just kind of squirting out the backside. Like when, when, uh, when Jesus was walking down the street, and she, that didn't sound right. Let that one go. Um, when Jesus is walking in the anointing flows, and he says, who touched me? That's Jesus. <laughs> That's the creator of the universe who was unaware of the flow of anointing for the release of the kingdom to somebody. I mean, he sensed the anointing flow, but he had to find out um, who was that, who touched me, and what happened, what did my father just accomplish for the kingdom here? And I think it's just, it's a beautiful picture. Encourage each other, would you? Would you quit nitpicking at each other? Encourage each other because, because we need each other to know how the anointing is flowing from our life. I'm just going to tell you one more. There's times I'm very critical with myself. I, I take this as a very great responsibility, what I do up here. And sometimes I walk out of here and I'm thinking to myself, whew, that could have been better or worse. I left that pretty soft. <laughs> or I'm thinking worse than that. And it's, I want to tell you something. Literally, on those days when I feel the worst about what just happened, the Lord floods me with you all and you all come in tears or, or sharing a, an immediate testimony of how that touched me. And I'm going, man, I got to quit being the judge of anointing. <laughs> he doesn't even judge me. Why am I judging myself? Is anybody relating with me? In my weakness, he's strong. It's when I think I bumbled it up the most that I see that the anointing of God was completely unhindered. No pride in it. The anointing of God touches hearts. So quit beating yourself up. <laughs> And exhort me when you see me doing it. Because I do it far too often. Okay. We're going to save the rest of this. Um, but um, this is what I want to do. Actually, um, is Blake in here? Where are you? Like, Will you um, give us some atmosphere of the courts of heaven here? I... Um, like I told you at the beginning, my intention today, I believe the Lord's intention today, is just to really create a hunger. Um, I thought of something this morning as I was praying over the service. Um, I might pronounce this wrong. Chefs have that, that one bite thing. Is, that, is there any chefs in here or people that you're a chef? If what's, is it a moose-bouche? A moose-bouche? Okay, it sounds like I'm saying it pretty close to right. It's this thing that chefs do that's supposed to be a singular bite. <laughs> and I felt like the Lord was saying, I want to serve and I want to serve that. Amuse bouche. A singular bite. And listen, the idea is that in that bite, it's supposed to awaken the entire palate. In that bite, it's supposed to have all the taste buds or all the areas of your tongue in one bite, the whatever they are, the hot, the sour, the, um, the bitter, the sweet. It's all supposed to be there so that, so, that you, so that you're actually hungry. It's not supposed to fill. It's supposed to make you really hungry, like, man, if I needed the meal before. Now I really need it. And um, I feel like that's supposed to be this morning, but um, what I felt like the Lord gave me as I prayed, and this was a hunger. This wasn't a word, okay? I got a hunger for the church to be so healthy that, um, that we can desire his anointing. That, um, that wounds, that, that abuse of false anointing would be healed so we no longer fear it. And also, just the general wounding of the world that makes us think... Um, that we're not worthy or we're not valuable enough to be an anointed one? Anyone relating with that? It's a real thing. Now, listen to me. Let's put some things to rest. Um, you're not worthy. 
except Jesus made you worthy and valued you so much that he has always planned you to be anointed. You know, he was, he's referred to as the anointed one. He laid it all down, we talked about last week, so that you could be brought into the inheritance, so that the anointed one could make you one of the anointed ones. You can share in the fullness. He means for you to have the fullness. In fact, it's promised in the scripture. Read the beginning of Ephesians as Paul writes to that church. He, he asks for fullness. Anybody want fullness? But now listen, here's what we got to do to get there. Th- things have to be healed. We have to come to the Lord exactly like we are. Um, it doesn't make any sense to go, to go fake anything with him. So um, what you feel, as we've talked about this morning, is of utmost importance. It's the truth about you. Um, if, if any of this made you nervous, it might have made you mad. It might make you think about what people have done to you in, in a church before. Say again. Or opened you up a little more. Um, but we, we have to bring him that stuff. We have to, we have to bring him, you know, he, he never says, um, bring to me your good stuff, all your most wonderful things, so I can be impressed. <laughs> it's just not his kind of love. He says, bring to me your worst. Um, so, so that I can bless it. Bring to me where you're scared. Bring to me where you're nervous. Bring to me where you're wounded because I have anointing for you. <laughs> but I'm not going to curse you with it. I'm going to bless you with it. You become a vessel. You become transformed at, to be a vessel that can hold the anointing he has for you. I'm going to teach about the specifics of that. But just for this morning, um, I, th- I think... Th- that what he wants us to do, he would love to have an offering from you right now. An offering of what you got, what you have, when you consider that he has an outpouring of anointing for you. Do you have nervousness? Do you have fear? Are you broken somewhere? Whatever you got, those are just um, little examples. So I'm going to quit talking with this anointed mouth in a minute. And I'm just going to give you a space to sit with the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to bring you so that I'm being transformed for this season, this series, to receive greater anointing? That's our prayer, Father. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, over this, your body that you value. And and would you just gently speak or powerfully speak to each one? What do you want us to offer you? offering is and this works for you if this is a way that works for you I ask you just just open up both of your hands and let him give you a picture of holding that offering whatever it is it might be ugly it might be grotesque it might be and whenever you're ready I'm going to give you a minute here whenever you're ready just Hold him out. Hold it out to him. Offer it to him and let him take it.
Thank you, Jesus. And he wants you to know that you're his anointed one. He has anointing for you. He has a season planned to increase the anointing you already have. Fresh anointing, new kinds of anointing are coming. Father, we thank you for loving us like that. I thank you that that is your heart to us. And we want to be, individually, we want to be the place of your anointing. And corporately in this little chapel body, I ask you, Jesus, that this would be um, a place that you overflow anointing. Heal us and complete the body so that your kingdom is a witness of how good you are in this place. Transform us into witness of how good you are. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you.